The following message is from Bear Creek Church. More information about BCC is available at bearcreekchurch.org. Go ahead and, and open your Bibles to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 4. We're going to begin reading with verse 7. So 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 18. And I hope you all have a Bible. That you, I hope that you have a Bible that you can look at. I, I want you to see this text. There's something encouraging, I think, about, about seeing these words with your own eyes. So if you don't have a Bible, there, there's a table in the back that has Bibles, and feel free to grab one or, or raise a hand, and there's more than just what's on the table. I think there's something encouraging about seeing this text. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 7 through 18. So God's word says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed, and so I spoke, we also believe, and so we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this time that we have to to gather together. Thank you for the time in worship. Thank you for the time in communion. Thank you for this time to to be in your word. We pray for the rest of our morning. We pray that you will humble our hearts and keep us teachable. We pray that you will increase our knowledge of you, increase our love of you, increase our awe of you. Help us to, to leave the distractions of life at the door, so to speak, that our focus would not be on what we're doing later today or, or what we're doing tonight or what our upcoming week looks like. 
but help us keep our focus on you during this time. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So, by a show of hands, raise your hand if there, if there is just an overall feeling in your life, or, or maybe just times when you can think, life is hard, just like unnecessarily hard. By a show of hands, who could say or that you've ever felt that way? Okay, one, two, three. Okay, so a few of you. Me too. Now, over the past couple of weeks, uh, we've, we've touched on some of the answers to the question of why. Why is life hard? Why does life sometimes just feel unnecessarily hard? Is there a purpose to it? And for those that, that see this world as all that there is, that, that once our time on this earth is, is over, that we just cease to exist, then any answer to that question, it can feel hopeless. But if we believe and follow Jesus, if we believe what the Bible says about heaven, then we can have hope. And our passage this morning, I think, helps us to understand this. So we began by reading at verse 7. And a little bit later, we're going to come back and we're going to look at some of those verses. But I really want to focus on verses 16 to 18 this morning. That's our, our primary text. So verse 16 starts with, so we do not lose heart. Okay, so Paul wants us to not lose heart. So what does that mean? We might think of of despairing or just being discouraged or just an overall sense of, of hopelessness. He uses the words, so we do not so we do not lose heart which is to reiterate what he said at the beginning of the chapter. We didn't read this, but Corinthians 4.1 says, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. So verse 1 says, we do not lose heart. And then verse 16 says, so we do not lose heart. So that's a clue that in between those verses, there's something that's going to help us to not lose heart. But Paul is saying in verse 16, basically after what was just said, so do not lose heart. This seems like great news, doesn't it? We'd all like to hear this. We all need to know this, the secret that Paul is referring to. How do, we, how do we not lose heart when life is hard? And sometimes this is where it can get tricky, right? Sometimes... The issue is not with us. How do we not lose heart when our kids are in pain or are struggling or are suffering? The thing that we tried so hard to control spins out of our control. How do we not lose heart? Maybe it's our spouse. We're watching as their their body fails right before our eyes. This person who who used to be so strong now can't do tasks that before were no trouble at all. How do we not lose heart? We do so by anchoring ourselves on the solid foundation of God's faithfulness, as opposed to our own ability and understanding. Instead, trusting that God is at work in our pain and in our struggles. 
So does Paul have the authority to say, so do not lose heart? Yeah, I think he does. And not just because he's an apostle, but also the, the more we read the New Testament, the more we read Paul's letters in the New Testament, we, the more that we see that Paul had a lot of reasons to be discouraged. But the Apostle Paul gives his reasoning for this conclusion, and we're going to see this as we keep going. So Paul is saying here, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. So we can see why this, why this might be easy to lose heart. So what we see translated as, as wasting away in verse 16, it's translated slightly differently in other places in the New Testament. Let's look at just a couple of these. Luke chapter 12 says, Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. Provide yourselves a treasure in the heavens where no moth destroys. That's the word. The word that we see here is destroys. That's what we see translated in our text as wasting away. So the same word that can be translated wasting away, or it can be translated as destroys. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't spend a lot of time worrying about moths in my life. Maybe it is just me. I'm not overly concerned about their destruction of me. But they can destroy things. So I confess that I had to do a quick internet search to see the, the kind of damage that moths can do. So, so we can see, yeah, okay, they can, they can do some damage. They can destroy something to the point that it's just, not just to the point that it's no longer usable, but actually to the point that it, it no longer has value. All right, we can move on. Another verse that we can look at has, that has the same word is, is Revelation 8.9. Revelation 8.9 says, A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. So there's our word again. Here it is as, as destroyed. That's the word that Paul uses here to describe the condition where he does not lose heart, where he is renewed day by day. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, is being destroyed, is being eaten away and consumed and wiped out. Yet our inner self is being renewed day by day. Paul has found the secret of not losing heart and experiencing daily renewal while being destroyed. Paul is being destroyed and does not lose heart. Paul is being destroyed and is renewed day by day. That's the one who's talking to you and to me. Our outer self, your outer self is wasting away. This is probably not something we need to be told, right? We know this. So we don't lose heart. We don't see our bodies failing and breaking down and lose heart. Why? Because that's not where our hope comes from. Our confidence should not be in these bodies. God has given us an amazing ability at times to actually forget pain. Forget how much our bodies are are breaking down. I would argue that this is, at least in part, why a woman can give birth to a baby, 
something said to be at least one of the most painful things you can experience, and then do it again. They can have more children. Why? Well, because to some degree they forget the pain, which is good for us too, because otherwise the human race would have died off a long time ago. We can, we can hurt ourselves and, and go to bed, and then we get up in the morning and we forgot and we you know, put weight on our knee or we bump something and we're very quickly reminded that we hurt ourselves. And that can actually be kind of discouraging. Let's be honest, it can be discouraging or maybe disappointing. We kind of we want our bodies to be like they were when they were in their 20s. And if you're in your 20s, I have news for you. This is it. It's, it's downhill from here. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't make the rules. No, instead, we have, we have bodies that as we get older, right, we, we hurt for a day or two just from mowing the lawn. If we fall down, we know we're going to feel that for days. As someone once said, you know that you're getting old where you can actually hurt yourself sleeping. Right? You go to bed and you get up in the morning and something that didn't hurt when you went to bed now suddenly is hurting. So the thought that these bodies are failing, we can, we can understand that. But Paul says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its, is its own trouble. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Its own trouble, its own wasting away, its own destruction, its own moths and rust and persecution and pain and dying. Each day has its own. Our text also says, day by day, the renewal comes. Which reminds us that the Bible not only said sufficient for the day is its own trouble, but also said in Lamentations 3, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The mercies of the Lord are new every morning, every day, day by day. There is new water flowing from the fountain, new mercies from a loving and gracious Father. The mercies we get today are for today. They're not for tomorrow. Tomorrow we need new, maybe maybe different mercies. So we don't worry about tomorrow today. We can deal with tomorrow tomorrow. But today... We have new mercies that are sufficient for the day, sufficient for today. Now that maybe creates a question. If we're being renewed every day, that implies what? That implies a need for for renewing, right? That implies that hope fades, that encouragement fades. So we need to be renewed And this word renewed that we see in verse 16, this is only used one other place by Paul, and that's in Colossians 3, where it says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge 
after the image of its creator. Put off the old self, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge. So the clue is the phrase, in knowledge. Our inner selves, our new, regenerate, Christ-trusting selves are being renewed in knowledge. So we could say that being renewed day by day comes through knowledge or, or what we put into our heads. God designed us in such a way that, that what is in our heart, what comes out, is in large part influenced by what we put into our heads. What we consciously focus on and by what the mind consciously focuses on. Matthew chapter 6 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And what we focus on influences our heart. The state of our heart is influenced by what we put into our heads. So what are we, what are we filling our heads with? Where is our focus? Where do we get our knowledge and what are we looking to? Is it the news? Is it politics? Is it social media, entertainment, or celebrity gossip? Now, I want to point out, though, that we're not talking about just knowledge. Not talking about knowledge alone. Without the work of the Holy Spirit and applying that knowledge, knowledge generally produces pride. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 8.1, We know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. This knowledge puffs up. It makes us prideful. We probably all know people whose heads are full of facts or true statements about God and the Bible. But they're not saved and are actually on a path to, to destruction or to hell. Heartbreakingly, maybe they are family members. My family, we, we know someone who professes to be an atheist. And in many ways, this person knows the Bible better than a lot of Christians do. So it's not just knowledge, but it's knowledge through the working of the Holy Spirit. But what about you and I? If we're Christians, we have the Holy Spirit, so do we need the knowledge part too? Well, I think we, I think we covered that two weeks ago when we talked about spiritual maturity, but I will just say this. I am not personally aware of any Christian who is, in fact, being renewed day by day so as not to lose heart, who is not also putting biblical truths into their heads. Often, if we are spiraling or we're too focused on worldly issues or pursuits, there may be a connection to how much time we're spending filling our minds with with the things of God. We need to keep going back to the Word as a way for us to be renewed day by day. We don't say, well, you know, I had lunch last Sunday, so I should be good for a week or two. Right? I, can just, I can just sustain off of that. No. We know that we need to eat every day. We need to fuel that for, to, in order for us to be able to face whatever that day is going to bring. So I think that we can say that it takes more than just knowing. It's more than just knowledge to be renewed day by day but not less. Again, like we said earlier, the state of our heart is influenced by what we put into our heads. So not losing heart 
is connected to not losing the truth of the gospel in our head. A way to guard against not, not losing heart is by letting our minds focus on the things of God. I'm sure that we can all relate to times of spending too much time, letting our minds spend too much time on things other than God. And we can see the impact that that has on us. For some, maybe spending too much time watching the news, especially these days, it can add to our fear. And and that can grow to a point that we are discouraged or, or losing hope or losing heart. I know that this is true for me. When I spend a lot of time following all of the current events or, or watching the news, I, I notice myself becoming more prone towards anger and being anxious in many areas of my life. So we have to be careful and consider what are we filling our minds with? If we're struggling, maybe with fear, often the best thing that we can do is to remind ourselves of truth. What is true? What does the Bible say? If I'm tempted to worry or to be anxious about events, current or in the future, I'm tempted to see this area of struggle or suffering as hopeless. But what is true? We also see when looking at our text in in verse 16, we see that the first word in verse 16 is so which is connecting it with the knowledge of what went before. And the first word in, the, in verse 17 is, is for. So that's connecting it with the, the knowledge that's to come after. Right? So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So what's another word for the the so that we see at the beginning of verse 16? We can see that also as as the word therefore, right? So and therefore can can be somewhat interchangeable at times. It's another word for the for at the beginning of 17. I think of the word because. Again, words that can be used interchangeably. I'll, I'll give an example. You know how these words work. So if someone were to say, you know, I am so thirsty or excuse me, I am thirsty, so, or therefore I'm going to get something to drink, right? or I'm going to get something to drink because I am thirsty. When the support for what you're saying comes before, you use so or therefore, like in verse 16, I am thirsty, so I'm going to get something to drink. Or when the support for what you're saying comes after, you proceed it with for or because, like we see in verse 17. So I'm going to get, I'm going to drink something, If you want to sound really pretentious, you could say, for I am thirsty, or just because I am thirsty. So typically, when the reason comes first, you follow it with so or therefore. When the reason comes second, you start with for or because. What does this have to do with anything? Good question. Well, I think this helps us in understanding this particular passage. So I say again, a clue to Paul's call to, to not lose heart, but instead be renewed, is the word so at the beginning of verse 16. It points back to truths in verses 7 through 15. And the word for, or because, at the beginning of 17, it points forward to encouragement in verses 17 and 18. 
So I want to quickly look over verses 7 through 15 again so that we can see how this, this so helps us at the beginning of 16. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We have the treasure of Christ and his gospel in weak bodies so that all the glory goes to God. So we do not lose heart. Verses 8 through 9, we can look at this as, we are afflicted but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair or not despairing, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. So we do not lose heart. Verse 10, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. When we carry about in our body the dying of Jesus, the life of Jesus is manifested in our body. So we do not lose heart. Verse 14, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. God will raise us from the dead with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Therefore, or so, we do not lose heart. Verse 15, for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So through our suffering, grace extends to more and more people and increases thanksgiving to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Paul is is really experiencing a heart-renewing power by filling his mind with these truths of verses 7 through 15. And he is inviting us into the same experience. We are renewed day by day by putting these glorious realities into our minds. When we fill our heads or our minds with truths about who God is, that impacts our view of situations. So we do not lose heart. That is the meaning of the so or the therefore at the beginning of verse 16. The truths of verses 7 through 15 really have power to renew the heart in faith and hope and strength and joy. And so it is with the four at the beginning of verse 17. That we do not lose heart for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. The main support in this paragraph for our daily renewal is verse 17. For or because this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Verse 18 emphasizes, look at this. Look at all these future unseen glorious things. Think about them. Set your mind on them. Meditate on them. Chew on this meal, memorize them, preach them to yourself. Look. That's the point of verse 18. 
The basis of your day-by-day renewal and your not losing heart is mainly unseen and eternal. The fallenness of the world and the people around us oppress you and cause you to, to waste away. Those things are painfully visible. Don't focus on them. If you do, you'll be filled with despair. Look on the unseen. Look on the eternal. Now, how do you do that? How do you see the unseen? I would argue that you see it through the windows of the therefore in verse 16 and the because in verse 17. We looked at the therefore window of verse 16 already. So now look at the because window in verse 17. We do not lose heart. but are being renewed day by day because this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Look at this. Look at this unseen reality. You can't see this in the world. This is invisible. This is a promise that something is happening in your affliction that you cannot see. How do you see it? You see it here with verse 17. It has a promise. What is the promise? What is the unseen reason that you should put in your head for the sake of your heart so that you will be renewed day by day? Well, this is your answer. It's the promise that all of your affliction, all of your suffering, even if it lasts a lifetime, is light and momentary and totally meaningful. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Remember chapter 1 that we discussed last week. We said that Paul was certainly one of the most afflicted men ever. And looking at verses 8 through 10 from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul is saying, we were so utterly burdened, we despaired of life itself. We were in such danger that we were in deadly peril. We thought we were going to die. So Paul does not lose heart amidst his life's pressures. Paul began his, this letter stating that the affliction he had experienced in Asia had left him burdened or weighed down beyond measure. The weight of his affliction was real and in fact almost killed him. However, here in chapter 4, verse 17, Paul uses the words weight and beyond measure or beyond comparison. But in this context, to compare to the deadly weight of affliction he had experienced in Asia. So this is important. Paul doesn't downplay suffering. Instead, he exalts the glory of God and thus creates a comparison. We likewise are not necessarily called to downplay our suffering or our affliction, but instead to exalt the glory of God, to keep our focus on him and point others to him as well. Instead of the weight of affliction, there is now the weight of glory. And whereas the Asian affliction had weighed him down beyond all measure, the weights of glory is doubly beyond measure. Out of proportion, exponential glory. Think about Paul's life. He had 
No season of rest and retirement to reward his suffering at the end of his life. Instead, at the end of his life, he was executed. So all that Paul went through, he says, for this light, momentary affliction, this momentary affliction that Paul described lasted a lifetime for him. When we're talking in terms of our outer self being wasted away and our inner self being renewed, this typically is going to work through suffering. What if our, our goal in suffering was not to, to walk out of suffering, but instead, if we focus on walking through suffering with a focus on God and a focus on eternity? Notice the contrast in verse 17 between momentary and eternal and between light affliction and weight of glory, this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal, so contrasting that with with momentary, weight contrasting with light of glory. So the truth that Paul wants wants us to put into our heads day by day so that we will be renewed and not lose heart is this. Compared to eternity... Compared to endless ages, these 60, 70, 80 years on this earth may be an affliction. There is nothing in comparison. Paul calls his and their affliction light and momentary. How could he say that? Some of the Corinthians may have suffered sickness or alienation or slander their whole lives. Paul is speaking that way by comparison. Again, not to, not to minimize, but to say, by comparison, all the evil and anguish they have suffered is as nothing. It's light, momentary, compared with everything coming to them in glory, the never-ending enjoyment of an infinite God. I'm not saying that our afflictions or our suffering are nothing as in they don't hurt, or as in they're, they're not real. Paul's afflictions were very real. Your afflictions are very real, and they are not fun, and they hurt. But compared to the weight and greatness and wonder of the glory we will see and experience in eternity, this painful affliction is light. His yoke is easy, and his burden, even a lifetime of affliction, is light. And remember, this is Paul talking. He had really suffered. We get so bogged down by the things of this world that are real, that are important. But in doing so, we often lose sight of the unseen. We lose sight of heaven, of the end of suffering. The end of pain, sitting at the feet of Jesus, being in the presence of the glory of God. When we look more at our text, we see Paul saying, we do not lose heart because every single moment of our affliction and the path of obedience, whether from sickness or slander, all of it, do we believe this? All of it is meaningful. That is all of it, unseen to our eyes, is producing something, preparing something for us in eternity. 
So often when going through trials, we try to look for, for some purpose here on earth. What is the earthly reason for this? Why am I going through this? Verse 17 says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us a what? An eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. This glory that God will show us and give us is beyond what we can comprehend, beyond all comparison. 1 Corinthians 2 says, But as it is written, But no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. There are special glories in the age to come brought about by your particular afflictions. That's what verse 17 says. Your affliction is preparing or producing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. That is what I mean by saying every moment of your affliction is meaningful. It has meaning. It's doing something, causing something, bringing about something glorious. You can't see this. This world can't see this. They think, and and you and I can be tempted to think, But this suffering is meaningless. It's not doing anything good. I can't see any good coming out of this. God, why would you do this? That's what you feel when you focus on the scene. To which Paul responds, don't look to the scene, but look to the things that are unseen. Look to the promise of God. Nothing in your pain, nothing in my pain is meaningless. It is all preparing, working something, producing something, a weight of glory, a special glory just for you. Just for you because of that pain. Others are being prepared for something else. Their experiences are different. and They are being prepared differently. Paul endured because he looked past the transitory moment and to the future. Verse 18 says, As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. They are eternal. They're forever. Everything we see with our eyes is temporary. There's nothing we can look at that's not transient. Things that are, that are seen, that are temporary, our clothes, our houses, bank accounts, these bodies, these are all temporary. And listen, I, I know that some things don't feel transient. They don't feel temporary. Even the things that will last our lifetime on earth, Paul says, by comparison, they are temporary. But the unseen is eternal. God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the souls of our brothers and sisters in Christ, the promises of God yet to be fulfilled. Heaven is eternal. Part of the problem these days is that many have have lost their eyes for the unseen and believe and hope and work only in the visible. We get caught up in the visible. What we get worked up about is visible. But Paul focused on the unseen things to come so we do not lose heart. Paul's hope was set in the future resurrection. For him, the grave was empty. The certainty of the resurrection was inevitable and compelling. It determined the way he lived. We know our future, and we can be certain about eternity. 
Alongside Paul's hope and future resurrection was his hope and future transformation. He knew that one day we'll not experience pain. One day we'll not experience affliction or suffering. Yet he did not lose heart because his old sinful man was wasting away while his new self in Christ was being renewed day by day. He remained heartened because the weight of the afflictions of ministry were nothing compared to the weight of glory for which they were preparing him. And he endured because he looked past the temporary to the eternal. The truth is that our momentary afflictions are preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. We're out of all proportion. Are you going through a hard time? The affliction will pass. Believe it. Don't lose heart. We look at these unseen things through the gospel. We strengthen our hearts. We renew our courage by fixing our gaze on the invisible, objective truth that we see in the testimony of those who saw Christ face to face. We must learn to to look at our wounds from this world with an eye on eternity. Our temporary pain, despite how eternal it feels, through the promise of the eternal glory that God is preparing for us. Our afflictions, our suffering are temporary compared to the eternal beauties of heaven. So we do not lose heart. Let's pray. Father God, as we end our time this morning, help us to to fight that temptation, to, to walk out the door and forget the things that you've placed on our hearts. Father, we confess that we can be quick to lose heart. The life feels hard at times, and sometimes it feels unnecessarily hard. We can be tempted to despair and in the end, take our focus off of you. Lord, help us to not put too much focus on the things of this world that will draw our gaze away from you. Help us to trust you in our struggles and in our afflictions. Lord, we don't want to get caught up in the visible. We want to look to the unseen. And we confess that we are weak and are easily pulled in one direction or another. So we ask that you help us, that you work in our hearts and in our minds to draw us back to you every day, not just today, not just on on Sundays, and not just when life feels especially hard, but every day. And it's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.